Welcome to Every Album Ever with Mike and Alex. My name is Michael Mansour, and I'm joined as always by my festive and happy co-host Alexander Volts. Say hello. New year, old me. As <laughs> every album ever, the podcast we listen to every single album in the world, one artist at a time. That's a whole new discography per episode. And today we'll be discussing every album by Bark Market. Bark Market. This is requested on Patreon by Olive Fox. I'm sure that's your God-given Christian name. Thank you so much for supporting and hanging out with us and being patient while we got to this request. Um, go to Patreon if you want to suggest shit for us. It's very nice. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bark Market. Bark Market. We, we've done like a stream of requests, not in a row because we've had plenty of other episodes in between, but for like the main episodes, we've been doing a lot of requests. For some reason, in my mind, I'm, I'm like lumping these all in. It's like, oh, these all probably sound the same. So far, none of them have sounded the same at all. <laughs> I, I did the same thing. I thought we were going to get some like alternative rock band and i guess at times they do fall into that but this times. is a uh, a noise a noise rock band this is a noise rock band i didn't know anything i, I mean i'm assuming you used your first time with yes first go around mine as well uh fi- figured alternative rock figured some something like that uh pleasantly surprised how do you feel about them i'm i'm okay about them i i get why um they maybe have a you know I'm going to assume they have a dedicated, like, loyal fan base, though. Like, if if you like noise rock, this is very much a, like, seek this band out. Um, but, you know, it didn't, like, it didn't strike me the same way uh, a band, like, another obscure band, like, God did. God is a God is a very different band. Check out yes, that episode. Yes. Um, they're both noise rock, but different noise rock. Yeah. This reminded <laughs> me more of like a brainiac, like a less weird brainiac. Didn't it's, sound like brainiac, but the but the energy and mm-hmm. um there's a, a 90sness to them. I love the band, by the way. I was very taken by them and I was very uh, delighted with a, a good chunk of these records. because uh, it because it's noise rock, but it's it's like 90s alt rock noise rock yeah we'll we'll get into it they kind of change a little bit as the times go on yeah i was also surprised to find out they at, at some point were signed to rick rubin's record label yeah they were on deaf american or uh i think it was deaf american at that point and yeah it, so this is we should probably talk about this like up front because it's one of the because we all know rick rubin and mm-hmm. His his hand of God. Whenever he touches a band, uh, yeah. he involves himself in something it's because he has really great taste and tends to make stars. You don't talk so much about the bands that didn't work that he worked with. This is one of his failed bands. <laughs> yeah, so that like they they're definitely like very interesting to me at times. I think at some point I got a little little fatigued with their sound. I think they're they're very talented though, and um, I kind of think of it like the way like stoner metal or like doom metal is like my jam where like like there are probably bands in that genre where i'm like it scratches that itch for me doesn't have to do anything anything else really other people probably just think it's okay so like this is this is like a great band for for like noise rock fans like seek the like seek this band out well i'm a huge noise rock guy huge noise rock yeah and even then there's still moments where i'm like all right that's pretty fucking samey that's basically the Mm -hmm. same thing and that's the only thing um that i was able to like narrow down a worst because it ended up being pretty easy it's like okay well it's just not they're they've done nothing like they've done nothing different for too long I'm, i'm getting i'm getting tired of this okay but even then they still 
they still there's there's one stretch where they don't change much, but then mm-hmm. they still end up changing again. And um, so from you look at the first album, you look at the last album, it's two completely different bands. And then if you pick an album out of the middle, it's also a different. So basically, there's three separate eras, three very distinct sounds. I yeah. think on, on in the, within this whole discography. Yeah, yeah, I would also agree with that. But I'm, all, I'm glad you had similar feelings that that I did. A little bit, yeah. And and also to go back to the the Rick Rubin thing. It is fascinating because I this is the first band where I've even thought of like, oh yeah, he's not always successful. Yeah, like. Yeah, people don't talk about your. Uh, I don't. I don't want to call them a failure because they they make really interesting music. Great I, music. Yeah. Commercial failure, but but uh, fucking the main dude, uh, singer, guitarist, and creator David Sardi, he is doing okay, dude. Yeah. He's doing all right right now. Yeah, that's kind of what I piece together was it was just like uh i believe he he's an engineer he's a yeah he's a he's a music producer yeah for a lot of mostly movies mm-hmm. and movie scores and shit he's worked on i'm just gonna show we can't show it on the video but like um i'm do, gonna show you do like his, that infomercial thing where it goes by real quick actually i can do that i'll do that <laughs> i should leave a note of that and make sure i don't forget to do that uh because check this shit out look at his this is his work in movies. Oh, like Jesus Christ. Like yeah. Still going. Still going. Still going. Still going. He's, still going. Oh. Still going. And then also these. Oh, shit. Yeah. He is very busy. Very busy. I mean, this is, this is like every movie ever made. I've seen so many of these movies. I'm not even a, like, a, I don't yeah. watch a lot of movies. And video games as well. And some video games. Not, not so prolific on the video game front, but. They're still there. They're still there. Yeah, that's what I kind of took is that he the, did music for he, he, he did uh, music of MacGruber. Holy shit. <laughs> fucking legend. Nice. Um, That's what I this kind of sounded like the production aspects was picking up for him more than the band stuff was. So Definitely. I get yeah. it. And, but also uh, I was pretty taken uh, not immediately, but after at a certain point, there's a there's a turn and then. The production becomes stellar. Mm-hmm. And then from then on, it's like immaculate, pristine, perfect production where the the performances are incredible. These yeah. guys are really fucking good, really tight, really energetic. But when the production really, I don't know, finds ways to highlight every snare crack or even his voice when he shouts in a certain way, where just everything feels so nice. Mm-hmm. Um, most noise rock bands are not produced this well. Well. Very, very like dynamic singer too, where yeah. he has screams, he he talks, does the spoken word stuff, like reminded me of a lot of different singers, anywhere from from like Eugene to from Oxbow to like Chris Cornell yeah. to like Brainiac, like you said, like he's a very like Interesting, yeah, yeah. Interesting singer for sure. And then, yeah, the the there there are tracks where like the drum, like like you feel that drumming in your chest. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and re- extremely punchy bass for most albums too. Mm-hmm. Extremely, uh, and they've been there were three. I mean, when because he started it by himself with just a four track, and then he brought in members, and when when he brought in people, it was just a three piece the whole way through, uh, which is almost misleading because of how big it sounds. But uh, as for how they formed 
This is uh, we have some notes here from our boy Tom Osmond. We should all go follow and check out and support. He's very cool and he just digs up dirt for us. He got us a couple interviews, one with David from 2019 from Peekaboo Magazine, and one with the whole band from '93, for, uh, which he he got off pauseandplay.com. And in terms of the his very his origin story, David Sardi, uh, he says. Uh, I kind of came up playing in hardcore punk bands, but I picked up the guitar as a kid watching Elvis playing. I think my earliest memories of music is probably seeing 68 comeback rebroadcast in the early 70s when I was a kid. Um, I think he had like, um, his parents had vinyl lying around, Beatles, Simon and Garfunkel, check out that episode, Alex loves them. <laughs> and uh, so the Beatles were a big inspiration, no surprise there. And then uh, when asked about how we created Bark Market, he says, as a young kid, I had two tracks. One, I played in hardcore punk bands. The other... I had a friend who was the other most talented person I know when I was a kid, uh, who's, who's just one of these candle burning too bright type of people. And he was always, let's create something. He says, the only reason I'm an artist, it's because of my friendship with him. Uh, he says he was also making home recordings. He says it was before the era of four track. We were just recording on anything we could find, whether it was a toy that made a squeak or a guitar or a piece of metal, we could find literally anything. And then just creating songs out of those things. He got, he joined a bunch of bands in New York, any band that needed a guitar player, he jumped on it. And then eventually he just started recording by himself. Uh, and why he, what he recorded by himself got signed in those, it's amazing how that was able to happen. Networking baby. Hell Yeah. He did put out one self-released tape, I believe, uh, which is self-titled from, uh, that came out in 1987, but we are not talking about that because, uh, well, I don't know why we're not talking about that, but we're just not. Yeah, <laughs> it, might not it might not even exist, but, uh, I wonder if it does. Yeah. Oh. It's an hour long. Oh shit. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't, need, I didn't even know it existed until after we got these notes. Uh, so we're bad at our jobs. Uh, I'm bad at my job, but. Maybe we'll cover it in loose ends at some point. Uh, what we are covering uh, is everything after that. So, what I believe it's uh, six albums, two EPs. No, no, five, five albums, two EPs. Yeah. Uh, not counting the cassette that he recorded by himself with a four track. Mm-hmm. Uh, first album that we're talking about came out in 1988. Last one, 1996. And I suppose we should get into it. Yeah, let's hell, do it. Oh yeah, so this is, uh, I believe, when he's still all by his lonesome. Uh, I should double check that as well, though, because <laughs> who fucking knows? Who knows? Too who obscure. Knows? Don't know. It doesn't tell you anywhere. Uh, there's no information. Maybe he's by himself. Maybe he has a band. Either way, this came out in 1988. This is 1-800-GOD-HOUSE. I was uh, certainly not expecting the opening track to start like this. Should have more big pipes. It's about two and a half minutes of that kind of atmospheric sample-driven uh, build-up. Yeah, that to the the meat and potatoes for you guys. Yes. Recorded like shit, of course, but still pretty damn cool. Also, this is someone uh, on YouTube. He goes by Matt G J H, uh-huh. 
And he's uploaded a lot of the more obscure uh, Bark Market stuff. Very nice. Yeah, that's where we were able to get some of these albums, because this is not streaming. So, yeah, that's from, like, someone ripped it from the vinyl, and then uh, actually a, like says it was digitized by someone named Matthew Bailey in an early 2000s Bark Market Yahoo group. What the fuck? Yeah, and that's where a lot of these, like, come from, was that early, like, like Yahoo fan yeah. page. early, early internet fucking forums yeah. sharing shit. Uh, I just wanted to share that, and this guy said he was... He he would share it on Kazaa if you're old. Uh, Audio Galaxy, I'd never even heard of that, and yeah. so that's a that's an interesting little. Oh yeah. Um. Also, personal favorite. Oh really? Holy shit! Yeah. Um. I think this one has a lot of lot of personality that shines like it really shines through for me in ways other albums don't. Even throughout you know this is not the optimal way to listen to it but no. it's what i got but i still feel like oh i like under like i got it and it mm. still worked for me more often than not this album caught me real off guard i mean you never know what to expect with the first album with a brand new band mm -hmm. but definitely wasn't expecting this much creepiness this much uh this many crazy samples uh this much experimentation i guess yeah it's pretty grimy it's pretty dirty it's really rough production but it's fucking it's interesting as shit lots of yeah lots of character going on here um yeah like it's very i we fast forward it but like like you said lots of eerie white noise goes into that feedback and then when that song kicks in it's just like it feels so good on that opening track poverty i really because we get a re-recording of several of these tracks we get a re-recording of poverty salvation sunny and ten. Ten, 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 yeah ten convictions uh this version of Honestly, I like most of these versions better than the re-recorded versions. Yes, especially Sunny. Like, oh, really? Sunny has way more character to me. I like the, it like really leans into like that southern twangy thing. Yeah, the bass is like very bluesy, and like I think the lyrics are the same on the re-recording, but they sound like way more psychotic here. Interesting. Actually, Sony's the only one where I prefer the other version more. Yeah. But I, my favorite out of all of them that I like the most here is not not the song I like the most, but out of all the re-recorded songs, Salvation. Because because of that, at least because of that intro alone. Mm -hmm. Because it's layers upon layers of these really creepy preacher samples just on top of each other. Like, and it's done really well. It's not that long or overdone. It's a it's a really cool intro. Yeah. Um, and a lot of stuff on this album and like guess maybe even the next two albums really like driven by bass yeah um like that's the the glue for this band yeah a lot of groovy bass lines um drums of course but they're they're fairly minimal at least they're really minimal on salvation there's like mm -hmm. like these metallic slaps are the things keeping the beat and uh guitar is Clangy. It's very clangy. Yes. It's a very clangy yes. album. Although that doesn't change that much. I guess it's a very clangy band. But here, because of the roughness of everything, the clanging seems seems extra. Yeah. Um I like Ten Convictions. Like I wasn't 
there's not really a lot of traditional singing up until that point and that song actually features some something resembling uh, a melody yeah um i like the addition of the piano it's a like it's a great great standout track to me it really reminds me of the birthday party actually these first two a lot of these yeah really reminding the birthday party i mean they're uh maybe it's not on this album um so much but there are moments where he just sounds like nick cave like he's mm-hmm. clearly trying maybe it's probably an overstatement to say that he's trying to sound like him but it sounds like him a lot and the, especially with the, the the groovy bass lines and the really tribally drums it's like man that's birthday mm-hmm. party as fuck um check out that episode um uh, do like the executive quite a bit uh those guitars i feel like they really open up things um and then when the bass and drums come in it fucking rules uh very very catchy very groovy um home is like one of the few like sound collages where i'm like it works for me i like the little the way it helps break up the album it's more orchestral like these orchestral samples it gets oddly dancey and like alternative rock driven which I was not expecting at all. The first chunk is like this. Yeah, it's a. I find it to be like a, a cacophony of terrifying samples. I mean, yeah. it's really well done. Very cool stuff. And then, yeah, the song, the that song, song is very. It's bizarrely poppy by comparison. It's like it's like super post punk sounding. Very mm. bubbly. Um, very snappy. Yeah, like dancey, like you said. And uh, then yeah it's the perfect segue into like clap dance and that may be the craziest thing they ever ever do yeah Yeah. it's a weird one it's it's like really really rhythmic machinery clanging around yeah it's very metallic yeah rhythmic machinery metallic there's there's claps of course like Like it's it's almost like someone was like i bet you guys can't make like a dancey noise song and they're like We'll, we'll do it. Oh, they'll do it. Uh, I feel like it went on a little too long for what it is, but I think it's still great. Very fucking weird, interesting thing. They have a, a John Cale cover, which is, it just goes to show, check that episode on the Velvet Underground, which I hate. And if you want to hate me, watch that episode. Uh, it just goes to show how much I genuinely don't like John Cale because that's like the only song in the album. I was like, all right, it's a little bit weaker. Yeah. And then I find out later on that it's a John Cale cover. Yeah, I finally got around to watching Todd Hayes' uh, Velvet Underground documentary, and I think it's a very good documentary. But uh, okay. I, I love John Cale even more after <laughs> watching that. <laughs> Would I like him more? Uh, you know, I think... I think it may like add some context for you. Maybe, maybe you don't like the music more after watching it, but I think after hearing like Lou Reed speak and John Cale speak, like <laughs> you may be like, okay, I, re- I respect these guys now. Maybe, maybe because I just recently read a quote. Um, Eugene from Oxbow wrote in a Substack about something that Diamond Gala said, and it was one of the funniest fucking. I mean, she's a gnarly broad. Oh, she, yeah, I just going down that rabbit hole recently. Dude, she rules. But uh, she said, I think Lou Reed asked to do a duet with her or something like mm-hmm. that. And she said, uh, you, why sing with you? You can't even sing on key. <laughs> and he said, well, some of us don't think that's that important. And she said, 
your guitar show your guitar player shows up today or shows up tonight with his guitar tune, I bet you say something. <laughs> dude, dude, she rules. That's how I feel about that whole fucking band. <laughs> there was there was a story where uh in one of his earlier bands, sorry, fucking Velvet Underground side buster. Um they were supposed I forget what the band was called, and they were they were gonna play on a boat. And for some reason, Lou Reed didn't want to do it. So he purposefully like broke his hand. And I think it was the drummer in the band was like, you're a shit guitar player. Anyways, you could still sing. We're doing the fucking gig. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Turns out he's a shit singer, too. <laughs> he writes some good songs. I like his solo stuff a lot more than Velvet Underground. But... Also, I found out Gina from uh, from Baroness is a, a Lulu defender. All right, so we have to murder her now, <laughs> or will, or viciously defend her. Viciously defend her. How do you? We don't know yet. I mean, I don't know yet because I haven't heard the whole thing. I'm very excited to at some point. We'll find out one day. Oh yes, we will. Uh, but uh, the closer tongue ground is fucking weird. It's like the most psychedelic thing on here, probably very droney. Yeah, more of like a avant-garde experimental song it's really industrial in an early swans way which i wasn't expecting um there's a little bit of that in this band not a whole lot but mostly in the early records mm -hmm. you get some like early industrial stuff which i find to be pretty fucking cool um yeah i don't know what i was expecting but it definitely wasn't this it's it's abrasive it's strange it's ugly it's creepy but it's weirdly groovy and lighthearted at the same time um it's like a it's like a form of noise rock i've never heard before it's fucking very cool um and at this point, I was like, I have no clue where they're going to end up. And uh, I would have never put the two together if you showed me any other album. No. It's no. just, it's such a weird, different starting point. Very cool album. And Alex's personal favorite. Which I wasn't expecting. I feel like that's a more of a more of a mic move to like a. Uh, the weird early the, album. Like debut yeah. outlier. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's a new year. Maybe it is a new you. Yeah, you never know, baby. <laughs> uh, but moving on to the follow-up. This came out in 1989. Well, actually, before we... Oh, fuck. There's one thing I want to mention here before I move on. Um, what track is it? Uh, oh, wait. Sonny, I guess, is live. Um, I Sonny, don't you know, is live. I thought that was on the... I, maybe it's both. Sonny is live and... Uh, what track is it? The Executive, mm -hmm. which I believe is track five, if I can count correctly. Nope. Ten Convictions. Ten Convictions. Uh, that one has a, um, as it ends in a runout groove. So it has a, it's basically an endless track. Mm -hmm. uh, and Tom notes here that his version of Evil by Sonic Youth also does that in the last track where it just goes endless. I have Omar Rodriguez Lopez albums that have that. Yeah, that's, that's neat. It's a thing you will never get with digital, we'll never get with CD. It's also kind of annoying. Like, the first time I, like, I didn't know that was a thing. Oh, and it went on and on and on. It's like, what the, f there's no way. <laughs> this is a 35 minute song. What the hell? Uh, but, yeah, it's time to move on. I, I don't believe, I don't know if there you know what? There are. This is probably a band at this point, and the band members, which I think now is a finally a good time to mention them. Mm -hmm. um, we got same other two the entire time. We got John Nolan on bass and Rock Savage on drums. Fucking killer names, dude. Rock, Rock Savage. It's I'm like sure his real name is not Rock, but maybe it's Savage. He should legally change it to. 
maybe he like the rock and macho man yeah, even he, though the rock wasn't a thing well he's just he's just two wrestlers in one man yeah it sounds like a poor name too it, it sure does but maybe i'm assuming those two are on this next record if they weren't on this one already um but yeah let's, let's do it this is 1989's uh it's either depending on where you're listening where you find it it's either called easy listening or the easy listening record or the easy listening cd easy listening yep Sea shanties. Yep. Like Turkish music or something. Hell yeah. Production is taking a, a bit of a, a bump up. Mm. Also, it helps when it's not ripped from a vinyl. We're hearing all the cracking and all that. This song is also not streaming. Still with the those groovy ass bass lines, but still kind of clangy. Yeah. And I don't know if we'll get to it, but there's a part where like the guitar is just like almost jazz like. Yeah, it's like a real funky chorus. Yeah, there it is. Very funky. Or like, yeah, if I heard that in like Nine Inch Nails or Devo, I'd be like, oh, that's like a, a sample like loop thing, yeah. right? His vocals are very, very pointed now. Very, very fucking cool. Very cool. And personal favorite. Oh, wow. There we go. Yeah. This one, as soon as this came on, I was delighted. And I was like, all right, this band's going to this band's gonna rule. Because this early, they're already this interesting. Yeah. This is like an extension of the, the first album, but way more, way tighter. Um, I would say, yeah, it leans into like industrial music. Sure does way more than the previous one and I, it's why i like it the fucking sounds of metal and the clanging and um it's still really funky and groovy and mm-hmm. really hooky the uh, vocals are, are um they're not quite as buried they're not quite as uh you know ethereal and psychedelic i guess mm-hmm. uh it's more like a guy you know it's a guy singing at you now and uh yeah this version they have um i guess the only versions of Sunny that exist are live versions because yeah. it says this version is also live. And yeah, like I said earlier, I feel like on the previous album, I like that like Southern twang. Yeah. Like I think it adds a lot of character to it and then you take it away and it's a, it's a noise song and it's serviceable. It's fine. But I disliked the other one more. I thought it still had some twang, but maybe not as much like it, the, the it, old acoustic guitar. It does. It's like, it's like backloaded at the end. Yeah. Or like the lyrics are still very like maybe the vocal performances, but yeah, those guitars are, are no longer there. Gotcha. I still love it. Still love it. I love how happy comes in as track two, super industrial and heavy. Uh, with, with with plenty of like this wild noise or guitar shit, uh, rhythmic and pounding. Um, but yeah, and, and I don't know what the drums sound so strange on here in, in a lot of a lot of spots. I mean, I believe. Well, you know, honestly, there there's a lot of different people. It might be a drum machine. I'm starting mm-hmm. to see like some credits here because <clears throat> uh, Bill Waldron plays drums on the on the opener, and Rock Savage plays drums on the on the closer. Uh, but we get like. Plenty of tracks that aren't credited at all, so I imagine those those are drum machines. They they sound like it. Um, By America is really lively and fast. Another one really reminds me of the birthday party. 
I thought that one was okay. There's there's a point where they lean into more feedback in the guitar, and I'm like, that's like that's when it gets interesting to me. Mm, I dig it. I I dig it. Lots of toy sounds in the beginning of the Puppet Master. Yeah, really atmospheric and creepy. Yeah, that's a good little you know soundscape. Yeah, thing. it's the most lo-fi track on the on the album. Really, uh, uh, which sounds makes it sound extra strange compared to the rest. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 not much of a song. It's more of a soundscape for sure. But yeah, um, and the mirror is a song where he sounds just like Nick Cave. Birthday party, Nick Cave. Yeah, I also noted that, and then I was surprised that it gets like oddly like like a rockin' like a rockin' song. It's still like rooted in that that birthday yeah. party like madness but it does get really rocking for some reason it does that, that bass is really carries it um and it's really it's it's more southern and garbagey like i, I really mm-hmm. fucking they, when they lean into that southern grimy like old desert twanginess like, yeah it, it does fucking it's, rule it's always just like just like one one so, like I'm like, oh, I I want more of it. They, yeah, they they dabble in it in different ways as they go on too. Um, what was it uh, on the mirror as well as uh, you'll you'll never find and what else? That might be it. Yeah, just those two tracks. We got mm-hmm. Mark Mark Ribot or Mark Ribot. I don't know how to pronounce his name because I suck. Um, we have him playing guitar on there on there. And uh, according to Tom here, he said uh, on a recent interview with Mark Marin. Uh, Les Claypool said his favorite guitar solo ever is Mark Mark Marks on Chewing Gum by Elvis Costello. Interesting. I've yeah. I've never heard of that man until right now. Yeah, yeah. He's a he's a guitarman. I forget what he's in. I'm gonna double check real quick. Rebo. I was right. Mark Rebo. Oh uh, Tom yeah. Waits, Elvis Costello, John Zorn. Okay. John's yeah, no wave. No wave and free jazz. That yeah. yeah all right. So all he's, right. A, he's a wild man for sure. Uh, and what else have we got here? Fucking <clears throat> condemned bank has big muffled shitty production. It's a it's a weirdly badly produced song out of the whole album. Yeah, a little bit of a spoiler alert. I like the one that comes up later. Oh. Yeah, yeah. All right. I uh, think I'm. Yeah, go ahead. I like I like foreign places a lot. Uh, it made me think of the police's behind my camel, where it's just. <laughs> It, where it's yeah it's this, this <laughs> check it out it's please fucking grammy award-winning instrumental song um where yeah it's like this band who has no business doing that type of music but it's it's still like bark market it's still like weird i i really enjoyed it um i think my favorite track on this album is untitled though just like those like weird electronic distorted backing vocals well first before we move on from foreign places yeah because i don't don't think we give we give them enough of impression how fucking weird it is yeah because it's like a basically a hip-hop drum beat with middle eastern sounding Mm -hmm. melodies with fucked up robot vocals it it, it, and it's lo-fi and trippy as shit it's a good fucking song it was made in a lab for me is exactly <laughs> it's pretty fucking rad. Um, untitled, which is like the most misleading title, because when you think of untitled, every, historically it's a transition track. It's a little yeah nothing. This is a full ass song. Yes, very snappy, snappy for this era of the band anyway. Um, and then it's got a really fucking great baseline. By the by, the end of it, it just completely falls apart on itself. Um, intentionally, I, of course. And yeah, I was like, are those backing vocals? But uh, looking at the credits, they they are. Yeah. Or are those electronics? And I love that. And yeah, they're just like 
so weird and unique. I love them so much. Good stuff. Um, Pink stainless tail is one of the more normal things on here, quote unquote. It's very, it's very dancey. It's pretty accessible. Did they play a Devo song before they started? Huh? On on Pink Stain. Is that like a Devo sample? Uh, I don't know. Well, we're gonna we're gonna find out. We're gonna find out. I didn't catch any Devo. Check that episode. <laughs> Oh, I don't know if it's a sample, but it certainly sounds like sounds like uncontrollable urge. Yeah, it might just be a, it might just be a similarity. It might be a, a sample that's like really fucked up and distorted and, and played through a bunch of delay. But either way, I thought of uncontrollable urge. Yeah. So I was like, oh, this is a, a very like Devo inspired or like homage to Devo. It is a very weird song too. It's it's not like bad shit like a lot of the other other ones except around halfway it fucking loses its mind I was gonna completely. Say, it does devolve into it, bad it, shit. Indeed it does. Uh and then uh yeah the closer you'll never find um the intro is uh, it's, I find it to be hilariously rhythmic. Mm-hmm. It's like it's almost like a one of like the, one of those cheesy 80s songs inspired by African music. I guess you could throw in Toto as an example of like cheesy 80s music that's like, oh, we're gonna do a song about Africa. Let's call it Africa. Yeah. This this album, it's so weird. There are times where it like I think that's a good way. It does like it does like flirt with cheesy 80s sounding electronic stuff, but they do it in such like a cool, unique way. It's a very, I've never heard it done like this. It's industrial and, and heavy and, and clangy and metal, but also really groovy and snappy and, and, and really hooky. Uh, it's a fucking interest. It's like, I mean, the birthday party influence is very prominent, but it doesn't, uh, it doesn't take away or, or uh, step on any of the personality that it has. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just hard to narrow. Like at this point, I had no idea what the fuck these guys even do because there's just too many things that, that are happening. Uh, and, and I don't know. It's, it's fucking amazing. I can't believe I haven't encountered this band before. This album rules. Uh, it's a shame it's not streaming. But my personal favorite. And now I think it's time to move on to their first. Oh, well, they're on Triple X now. I think eventually because on streaming, it's still licensed to American yeah, it was re universal. It was re released by Deaf American, um, not too long after, with a, apparently a slightly different um, track listing. So, this I guess the original track listing. Yeah, we we didn't listen to the original track listing because um, the version of streaming has the American version. So, uh, man, I I kind of want to hear it with the with that track listing, but mm-hmm. uh, it's fine. Um, here we go. This is 1991's Vegas Throat. Different fucking band. I mean, it's the best they've ever sounded at this. For sure. But nothing about it you would ever guess. It, even his voice doesn't sound the same. Yeah. This is like 90s as fuck. I feel like it's missing some of that, like, that primal energy. There's no, the industrial aspects are gone. Yeah. They're gone. Which was very sad for me. I mean, they're so very loud there. Yeah. Really tight, too. 
That is a cool song. It's basically like uh, like post hardcore at that point. Essentially, maybe like not quite as um, developed because this is very early. But mm-hmm. uh, and this is uh, my worst least favorite. You know what? I don't agree, but I'm not mad at that. Good. I would I I would have given it to this one if I didn't give it to something else. Uh, I, I hope we just keep alternating. Before. I know. I know. <laughs> uh, so this one out of yeah, I think this one. I like it. I think it's a good album, but it does have a lot of um, some iffy pacing. There's a lot of sameness on this album, which ultimately ended up being its downfall for me, especially like I get re-recording poverty if the first album's not widely available. And Salvation and Tank Convictions. And I like all the original versions better. Yeah. So like that's a lot going against it. Um and then yeah it's just like it's it's like they're still chaotic but they're they're more focused and it like they don't feel as special or as unique to me as they did on the previous two outings yeah um this isn't like a particularly long album but it does it does get pretty samey and each song is pretty i mean it's wildly impressive these guys are now mm-hmm. we have the full band here. Without a doubt, the full band is here. I and mean, you could hear, you could hear three musicians and it, and it sounds like a band now. Where mm-hmm. Whereas before it sounded like a band, but it sounded like one of those bands where you don't know what the fuck went into the making of it because it's so weird and, and, and yeah. dynamic. This is like a band band. Mm-hmm. And there's plenty of stuff on here that, that sounds really fucking good. Um, but but I was really let down by this album because of how much I love the last one, how much I like the debut, mm-hmm. and how engaged I was with how weird they were. And this is not that weird. Mm-hmm. This is like possibly it's, their least weird album. Yeah, it's it's weird for normal people, but uh, we're I would say the most normal of normal because that opening track. Who hasn't heard a song like that? I guess also like heavy music has like faded so far away from the mainstream maybe in the 90s like you could show this to more normal people and it wouldn't be that jarring but like you show this to some some kids zoomer now maybe yeah they're like jesus christ also went to the record store the other day shout out to them for playing uh nirvana's in in utero the like all the way through they were all playing, the way through they were playing like Tourette's and radio friendly unit shifter yeah. and they did not skip a fucking track and good. it was just like good good fucking good let let them sit through it next is fucking bleach check it out episode <laughs> of um but uh yeah so this is like a completely new direction what we heard on that track it's not it's not too much veering from that on the rest of the album mm-hmm. there's like a lot of i mean there's each song is pretty dense with a lot of really good arrangements. Um, but there's plenty of songs that I wasn't moved by, like Diddy track two on the reissue, I believe. Um, it's really grimy. It's noise rock. It's, it's very noise rocky, but mm-hmm. I just don't find the riffs that engaging at all. It's some cool guitar lines, but I just don't really love any of the riffs. And it's so weirdly like the production is so pristine that it's almost jarring to hear these dirty riffs. Cause it, it just feels too, I don't know. It just feels too clean for what, like I, we got so accustomed to the, the, the really, really uh, greasy shit from the last two albums. Um, I, I don't mind it being more clear. If anything, I think it can help like the noise aspects, like cut through and be more efficient. It's not like, really. Yeah. 
like I said, it's just too too similar. Even like on I don't live, which I don't I, know today. Yeah. I didn't realize that was Jimi Hendrix. Nor did I. But I was like, I know I've heard this song. Where have I heard this? Check it out on Jimi Hendrix. And then I was like, oh shit, because yeah, that's not like a super like popular Hendrix song. So Yeah. Um and then the the cover uh Backstabbers by the OJs, which I've what? never heard. That is a fucking weird cover. <laughs> I fucking don't like the song. Uh, it's, I, it's, uh, it's really strange, and it's really lo-fi, and it's a lot of creepy samples. I did appreciate that, but it's more weird than enjoyable. Yeah, they they like doing their like soundscape white noise stuff, and it, it is more of that than a traditional song. 100%. Um, uh, I actually don't even like this version of Ten Convictions like at yeah. all yeah. it's just so cleaned up it's so cleaned up and david is doing a lot of really really 90s alternative indie guy vocal fry and he's doing it he's just he doesn't sound bad mm-hmm. he's not a bad singer by any means he's just doing a lot of things on this album that i don't care for um and it just feels like a normal song but it didn't feel like a normal song before and, and that, everything just felt so cleaned up and nice and and then yeah it does it does end up it's not like a a long long album but it does end up feeling a little long in tooth a little bit i'm not a big fan of fat stamp at all um there's a section around three minutes in that's really great though mm-hmm. but aside from that i do like a lot of these songs though like i will i will say like pencil almost sounds like a grunge song at times. that reminded me immediately of brainiac which mm-hmm. is like oh wow and then i realized that brainiac wasn't even around when this album came out <laughs> yeah. like they formed a year later um check that episode and yeah it's it's snappy it's kooky it's catchy as shit even the vocals sound i found even the vocals sound like tim from brainiac a little mm-hmm. bit great chorus um and then it takes a, a shift in the final two minutes where it's just comes in with this giant hard rock riff uh, i think it sounds pretty fucking great i do i do feel like on this album they do start playing ar- around with the loud quiet loud dynamic which mm-hmm. wasn't really a thing on the previous albums. yeah um yeah yeah it's becoming a lot more like like um I guess they call it alt metal alternative. Mm. This is more alternative metal. That's what I was thinking of trying to think of the whole time listening to discography, like a Jane's addiction, like a faith, the more where it's like, um, it's heavier and more abrasive. It's crazier, but it still feels nineties and it's still not that inaccessible. It's still fairly accessible. Yeah. They have like this weird overlap of like, Oh, this could be like a Sonic youth song, or this could be like a butthole surfer song. Yeah. Um, but overall, I think it's like, it's just fine. I think it's a good album, but I do think it kind of overstays its welcome a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's still, yeah, I, I don't, I don't mind most of these songs. And the, new, the new Sense the Patsy, this version of Poverty, Pitbull. I think they're all good. Hydrox God. Those are all fucking good songs. Uh, but as a whole, I, I felt myself getting a little tired. Mm-hmm. And Alex's worst and least favorite. Is that what I heard you say? Yes. Okay. So one more for me <laughs> indeed indeed but we have plenty more and then this well actually this album um i don't know if he's on the next album but howie weinberg did uh <laughs> master this one and we we've talked about howie, howie in the past because mm-hmm. he's done basically every band we've ever covered yeah he's up he has his finger in every possible fucking i mean i'm not even gonna look click on the thing because i've clicked on it before it's massive that's where dave got his his work ethic from probably yeah <laughs> uh but Time to move on. Here we go, baby. And this is where Rick Rubin comes into the picture. Mm-hmm. He steps in and 
whole oh boy. Here we go. This is 1993's gimmick. Confident 90s guy vocals. I, yeah, I also like. Because the other album was so seamy to me. Yeah. I, like, I really like the guitar playing on this track. Like, it feels way more invigorating. Yeah. A nice mix of like ethnic alt metal with just hideous noise rock. Which I surprised didn't happen more often. I know. Yeah. Really satisfying production, really satisfying performances. I mean, it's snappy as shit. Really tight. I, I didn't even know uh, Rick Rubin produced it until right now, but uh, I'm I'm gonna give this one best. Really, this one. I, I I imagine a lot of people give this one best. If I had to guess, it just something I, I feel like this might be the best for a lot of people. I it's it is it would be best for me. It, I, it's second place for me. Yeah, I yeah I there's this a lot of variety here. And, yes. Um. Yeah. It's just like such a breath of fresh air after the last album too yeah um, definitely perked me back up 100 percent. and yeah it's this this obscure 90s album that i like feel like should be talked about more often honestly i can't believe this band hasn't been talked about more i mean they're really fucking good and, and this album is pretty damn great um the opener of course really really fucking rips uh whipping boy is a fucking awesome follow-up really snappy with a super punchy bass like i could yeah i could picture like either one of those songs being like singles and like yeah. trying to trying to market it through that way um really like really surprised by static static what, rules i i love the bass playing on it there's like this minimal western or like desert rock if you want um and then it just goes into noise rock. I, I love yeah, it. Yeah, fucking. There's like even banjos on static. Um, it's culminates in some of these really big, satisfying sec, uh, sections with fucking awesome guitar textures throughout. Uh, and it just keeps growing and growing and growing. It's a five minute song, but boy, does it make use of it. It fucking builds and builds. Uh, the main riff to Dumb Jaw, I was pretty much like, ah, it's right, not so great. And then, but I mean, it's like. It's more like the transitions in that song make the song as as a, as good as as it is. Yeah, I like the the like aggression in that song and like you said the the like transition going from one to the other and it's like you notice some but it's like this really like hard-hitting song. Um I think like Gather also works as like this nice like breather almost this this like ween like song spacer track it's fucking nuts it's really kooky and kind of silly it's it's rhythm really rhythmic it's kind of similar to the earliest early weird stuff but mm-hmm. i think even stranger um i don't find it to be like super enjoyable but it's very interesting mm-hmm. and reason why I, I appreciate it more on this album is because it sets up hack it off 
so fucking well. It does. Because Hack It Off is one of their best fucking songs. I, I think it, it's so goddamn good. It's it, like the heaviest they've been up to this point. Yeah, yeah. If you want the, the heavy biscuits, this goes straight to Hack It Off. It fucking rules. The, I find the, the pacing of this album not so great on the first half, or like the, just up until... Um, until gatherer really because as soon as hack it off comes on it's just a fucking onslaught until the end of the album i will i will say like you know my my complaint is i i do feel like maybe it should have ended at carjack i'm not really a fan of the shill or better, better made man um especially like better made man has this like brief thing with violins at the it's cellos yeah i'm like why is that this not i know <laughs> it, 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 dude so that song it's like it feels it's kind of more the same but i think it's written pretty well it's, i think it's a good song and then the final minute just gets so fucking right re- i mean it's such a great final minute and then after that then it ends with these gorgeous cellos and it's like on the whole album where the fuck was that just and yeah, I don't even need it on the whole album. Just like there was, there was something in yeah. there. Like there's something in there that I like, and there's not. It's of gone it. immediately. Yeah. And the album's over. But uh, what else? Curio comes in real strong. That bass feels amazing. It's it's mean and slower. It's one of the slower tracks. It, it somehow feels like more serious than a lot of the other songs in, in a weird way. Mm-hmm. It is also funny. I feel like normal bands with tracks like Static or Radio Static, especially a band like this, which does like the soundscapes or little interludes. I would think those would be like the little interludes, but they both rule. Yeah, Radio Static is the coolest sample driven thing they've done since like, since the second album, I think mm-hmm. really twangy and acoustic um, with like that old ass acoustic guitar. Again, you just, you get it on the one song. Yeah. It has these, this creepy uh, spoken word stuff. It sounds like, you know, text to speech software. I don't know what the fuck you'd call that. <laughs> yeah. Cause like, when you say robot vocals, you think of like Iron Man robot, uh, like yeah. black Sabbath, Iron Man robot or um, yellow's time. Yeah. This, this is like a, <laughs> Yeah, like fucking Microsoft fucking voice or whatever. What is it called? I don't know what the hell it's called. I'm an idiot. Uh, no, when they're using those those TikTok voices. The TikTok now. voices. That's the one. Yeah. Uh, but it's a cool fucking song. Uh, Redundant is a little bit on the nose. It feels a lot like the rest, but it's yeah. still snarky and grungy. I think it's a, a pretty strong track. Um, and then Carjack. Yeah, I mean, it does. That's kind of a return to four. Well, if, if you want to say that about a band this yeah, early. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the most noisy. Fuck yeah. And it's like, it's almost got like prog rock elements. Uh, really hits so hard, um, especially as it goes on. Love it. And uh, yeah, the this, this show, I mean, it's it's probably the, the, the weakest, um, but I don't know. Like it still feels good. I can't knock it that much. I don't, I don't love the riffs, but it's still it's performed amazingly. This is a great like middle ground for the band i feel like yeah it's, it's a good it's a good album um it's continuing the stuff they set up on the last one but it's even tighter it's far more interesting it's it's intense it's confident it's really confident uh and it's bold like just he's david is going so hard on these songs like mm-hmm. he's like nope this is a, i'm making i'm fucking doing this mm-hmm. like you could hear it in his voice his vocal style it's just so confident um the writing feels extremely nineties, but with a, a lot of noise, like just bleeding into it. And, um, I do appreciate the moments of weirdness. They're not that often, but I, I, I do. I'm glad that they're here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't love the, the pacing in the front half, but I still think it's pretty fucking good album. Mm-hmm. Alex is best. And I'll, 
also, oh, not to cut you off, uh-huh. but but seeing Tom's notes here, we were we were gushing about the cello playing. It's right. Uh, holy shit! Yeah, it's played by Jane uh, Scarpantoni, and, and Tom notes. Now that's Italian as fuck. Sure is. Uh, she was on uh, Ween's White Pepper and Swan's The Seer. Check out both those episodes. Ah, she's on cool shit. She's on great shit. Yeah, great shit. I love both those albums. I really love both those albums. I yeah. really love one of those a lot more. But yeah, they're both incredible albums. Um, so yeah, this is where the albums where Ruben comes into the picture. Uh. It was executive produced by him, and Tom says here, and the hand of God doth descend upon the mortals, because once Rick Rubin touches you with his, yeah. with his little pudgy yeah. finger, that's it. Your life is your life is different now. Yeah. Not that anyone cares, but uh, I feel like Rick Rubin used to go to wrestling shows a lot, and I haven't seen him at a wrestling show. So, well, he's still a huge wrestling fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, I mean, he talked it up for like twenty minutes on Rogan when he was on Rogan. It was the funniest fucking thing. It's like, oh. It's the greatest thing ever. Yeah. It's explaining Rick, how great wrestling is. Rick Rubin and Werner Herzog. Great voices. The uh, most unlikely wrestling fans. Werner Herzog is a, a wrestling fan? He is. That's the funniest thing in the world. Yeah. Holy shit. It actually, it seems jarring, but the more he talks about it, the more you're like, it makes sense. And it's so funny. He's watching like, like really bad, like when Linda McMahon was like, comatose in a wheelchair <laughs> yeah. and Vince McMahon would like make out with like a younger attractive yeah. women like right on top of her and he's just like what a spectacle <laughs> it's what it is he also said something that bothered me where he said they show you and he's like you know the matches aren't important because they show you commercials during the matches I'm like fuck he's right he's right it's fucking right. Yeah. I they, lo- they literally I, interrupt the matches. I mean. Yeah. They don't do it with promos, but the matches. Sorry, if they but, did it with promos, that'd be fucking. Now we're talking about wrestling. I don't even watch wrestling, but I just appreciate it so much. So many side quests on this episode. I know. <laughs> uh, so this is uh, uh, from the interview from 93. It says, to this day, Dave Sardi can't figure out what producer slash American recordings President Rick Rubin sees in Bark Market. And it says, he's probably wondering why he signed us right now, especially when he heard this record. <laughs> uh, honestly, they thought we were going to grow out of playing weird, intense music. And that's a quote from Rubin. I'm like, sorry. That's, now. <laughs> that's kind of disappointing. I feel like Rubin, like in his, like in his core, in his soul would be... So the thing that I've learned about Ruben, listening to him speak and looking at the albums that he's touched, it's touched. Man, I make it sound so like <laughs> angelic. And Touch, <laughs> touched by God, yeah. Uh, it's that he likes to, he wants to tap into, he's, he'll see a thing in a band and he'll see, there's a thing there I need to, to bring out what that thing is mm. that I feel is in there. And when you listen to, uh, what was um Vegas Throat? Mm-hmm. You hear a thing. You hear a thing. I mean, alt metal. And alt yeah. metal, this is exactly when alt metal was blowing up. Mm-hmm. You see it. They're ex- extremely talented, really tight. He's got a good sound for uh, a good sound going. It's a, it's a good album. I could see where he thought like, there, that's going to be a thing. And then what they gave him was more of that, but a little weirder. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably thinking like, all right, this is not exactly super commercial friendly. This is a less commercially friendly album than yeah. Vegas Throat for sure. It's not like light years uh, less accessible, but it is less accessible. Uh, 
And by like the next EP or so, it's like, okay, these guys are not going, they're, they're leaning into whatever, whatever fucking thing they're into at the moment. Not Mm -hmm. so much this thing that I thought I had envisioned, but it's like, it's still in there. It's just manifesting in a way that's not commercially viable, Mm -hmm. Um, which I think is better, but maybe some people wouldn't agree. Um, uh, Dave goes on to say, he says, I've had this argument with people at the label. I maintain that this intense heavy music is as viable as anything else. It just takes a different approach. He says, we really fly in the face of a lot of stuff, a lot of the stuff that's going on in the quote unquote alternative scene in which everybody is writing a la 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 pop song and hoping it's going to break on MTV. Uh, if, if anything, I bought up Nirvana's in utero. I feel like they would have felt validated when that album came out like fucking see I mean, that's the same year 93 yeah like yeah. the biggest band in the fucking world is leaning into this like feedback stuff and it was not received well if you well, remember i, I, I mean, don't you weren't there we yeah weren't, i was we, and i this i love that album so it's a good album but it, uh i mean you're gonna get naysayers and, and people shit on everything but at the time i guess when there was no internet people were still like what are they doing and uh yeah they were being uh adventurous you fucking prudes but uh yeah alex is alex is best and now uh now we got rick rubin on board let's see if he's uh excited about what they do next because now we have a little ep uh and it's listed on wikipedia incorrectly because i wrote down the wrong dates and listened to them in the wrong order but now it's all fixed up this came out in 1994 this is the lard room ep let me tell you something brother <laughs> i did like a spit take yeah yeah it's hard rocking it out dude it's pretty cool it's pretty fucking sick yeah yeah it is i mean i fucking i love Caius and monster magnet so yeah. and Production is better than ever. I can't. 90s. Those vocals, dude. Yeah. Real 90s. I can't imagine it's what noise fans No, no. And only the highlights every fucking hit. There's a fine line between like this and a band like Saliva. Yeah. But this ends up on the, the cool side. I I this I love some generic hard rock like that. Indeed. Worst least favorite. Now yeah, that's fine. This EP it's a good EP. It's a. It's not. It's nothing. It's not a bad EP by any means, but it is. They are officially. I feel like stagnated. Like sure, that wasn't. They haven't done anything that like southern, uh, cocky, gr- grungy mm-hmm. it, before. But 
we've also heard plenty of that at this at this point. I yeah, I don't I don't care. I love I love I drown and dig in. Like Th- those two tracks are fucking great. They, yeah, they're it's cool guy rock. This is this yeah, call yeah. It what it is. It's yeah. cool guy rock. It is yeah, and it at is cool in the nineties. Yeah. It is cool guy nineties rock, and yeah. it is pretty cool. It is really satisfying the way it's produced. It it. If you bump that when you're driving, you're going to get pumped. Yeah, yeah. You're going to get pumped and you're going to start speeding. That's what's, what's going to happen. Yeah. But it still feels pretty redundant given the last two albums that we got. Like, especially, uh, was it Little White Dove? Mm, I think out yeah, of all of them. Yeah, that is a more traditional bark market. We've so. definitely heard it before. We don't, it has some anthemic moments. It's fast and high energy. It's cool, but it doesn't leave a mark. It doesn't leave any distinct mark. Pushing Air is fucking weird. They got to, they, <laughs> they got to remind you. Yeah, it's still weird. It's a lo-fi directionless, crazy rambling vocals with odd shitty sounds. And that is, and even though, you know, they're more like peers, but yeah, if you like Brainiac, check out, check out Pushing Air. Yeah, I mean, I think it's more annoying than anything. Uh, it no. feels like a joke. It feels like a joke song. Yeah, if you like Brainiac or Lean, like Push and Air. I love both of them so much, and I don't like that song. <laughs> I think it's funny. Uh, and I do. do I, I will say Closer. Closer is weak. I like the ba- a lot of the bass lines on Johnny Shiv, the Closer, but um, the riffs, I think, are pretty pretty weak. I think it has good, better arrangements than writing. Mm-hmm. Um because it does, it does feel like a lot like the rest. Um, the the opening two tracks really set you up like it's just gonna kick your ass with some solid, straightforward hard rock, uh, and then it just gets kind of weird. And then samey, um, it feels like a, it's five songs. It's like for fifteen minutes, fourteen minutes, and it still feels like it, it doesn't know what it wants to do. Um, it's very. It, it wants to do generic, cool, hard '90s rock in the first half. Remind you they're weirdos in the middle. And then this uh some some good standard bark market for the Yeah, it's a for the day ones. For the it's fun. Yeah, like if this is your first EP, it wouldn't even be a bad EP. Place to, I wouldn't recommend this as a place to start, but no, I if wouldn't. it happened to be, it would be it wouldn't be that bad. Um it's just not it, it just feels like they're not doing enough, they're just been stagnated, like like I said. Mm-hmm. Um and it's a, it's a little bit inconsistent and then at times annoying, um, but it's not bad. It's just, it's just a weird little EP. Um, and this would be the, the last thing that Rick does with them because he realizes that they're not going <laughs> to blow up the way he envisioned. Probably. I feel like he got it out of them on, on two songs. I maybe I, okay. I bet those two songs. Imagine if they leaned into that fucking jock, jockey macho hard rock and they became super famous. I, here's the thing. I don't feel like they abandon it though. That to this degree they do because this is like a really intensely straightforward, simple. You could put this in a uh, a, a fucking action movie soundtrack. And yeah, it'll if, slap. If you like filters, hey man, nice shot. How I got a few songs for you. I don't know that song. You know that song. Okay, I, I'll, I, I take it back. I'll I pl- lied. I'll play it for you after. It blew my mind that they wrote that song and then take your picture, which. That's a weird bet. Man, you're referencing all this stuff that I have no idea. I'm going to play both of you, both those songs for you after this, and you're not going to believe it's the same bet. Okay, I'll take you. I'm, I'll I'm, take, I'm confident that you know both of them. Okay, fair enough. Uh, but yeah, my worst and least favorite, uh, just, just a bit wonky and inconsistent. And to, uh, the, the bad outweighs the good ultimately, but still a fine EP. Next, we have another EP. I would, I would think 
whatever. I'll share what I think after that. Show. All right. All right. But this now we got a, they're on now man's ruin records, a bit of a lesser expensive <laughs> label. I wonder what happened with the other one. Uh, and yeah, I mean this, here we go. This is 1995's Peacekeeper. We got, this was also released on vinyl only. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, we got another vinyl rip here from the, the same... Same guy? Same gentleman, I believe. And, yeah, not streaming as well. Yeah, same guy. Same Yahoo group. This is like Deftones. I know, right? Actually, Puppet One. This fucking rules. This intro is very cool. Doing, doing Chino Moreno before Chino Moreno. Yeah, they did Brainiac before Brainiac. Yep. Yeah. These guys yeah. are fucking... It's a real deal. Yeah. best openers yeah holy, one of the best songs really i mean holy shit dude yeah it's a sh- it's a shame it's not like widely available it's a damn shame that this is not streaming because when i put this song i had to fucking do a double take like what happened what yeah. the fuck happened because it's not just that song that song is amazing it's an incredible opener and then it goes on to uh both the brass ring triple a mix and then the brass ring two different songs Two completely different songs. Yeah. The holy shit, dude. The triple A mix, I can't tell what is actually bad audio versus this is being like ripped from a vinyl record in the early 2000s. Yeah, because this is um I, I mean, mean there's it, there's purposefully like obviously it's called the triple like it's made to sound like shit. Yeah, because but the whole EP is the worst produced thing since the second first album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's I thought I was like, okay, so they lost all the money. They lost all the production, but I think it's just this record. Yeah. Um. So the, the brass ring, the triple A mix, I mean, it is so this. weird. Insanely low bass, like super heavy <laughs> low bass. This like electronic buzzing persists throughout the whole song. Uh, the arrangements are complete chaos. The vocals are all over the, all over the, it's <laughs> fucking cool. Sounds like rapping sometimes. <laughs> Sounds like metal vocals sometimes. It's so random. And then the, the, the brass ring is just sludge metal. Hell it's, yeah. It's it like is. their only sludge metal song. Yeah. Which is kind of surprising. It fucking rules yeah. too. They do it well. Yeah. Uh, it's incredible. I, I can't believe they only have one sludge metal song ever. And it's on an EP. You can't even fucking get. Yeah. And then, yeah, I, I like this version of condemn bank better. Uh, yeah, I think I, I think I like it better too. Yeah, it's a little more like surreal and trippy, and yeah, it somehow fits in this chaotic three and a half song EP. Yeah, I know because uh, the vocals on that one are incredibly fucked up. It's a, it sounds like a spirit being tortured, something like that. Yeah, way more psychedelic than the original. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, 
it fucking rules. It ends with these really uh, creepy, cool samples. It's like, it's like this, this, it's a return not only to the creepy, weird stuff from the first couple albums, but they're heavier than ever, fatter, heavier, more punishing than ever. Uh, they, I did not see them going in this direction at all. I was, I was so happy. I was mm-hmm. so happy. Um, it's an, it gets in. It's fucking thirteen minutes. I think it's a thirteen minute EP. It fucking gets in, gets out, and uh, like the the previous Lard Room EP, it's like it doesn't decide on doing one thing, mm-hmm. but here it nails everything it tries. Whereas mm-hmm. like last time, it's like, oh, we're gonna do some some macho rock. Oh, we're gonna do, we'll give back some of the the tried and true bark. Ah, oh, it will be weird. It it felt like wonky. It didn't know what it was doing. Mm-hmm. This is like. It's trying different things, but they, it feels just get the head down pat. It feels like they fully realized in, in like, uh, it feels more like they had fun making this. I don't know. It just feels way more natural. I hope they had fun making that nineties hard, those hard rocks. That's man. I hear that. It's like, yeah, it's cool, but it feels like a job. <laughs> and I hear something that fucking cool. Uh, <laughs> but Ah man, this 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 record fucking rules. It's a shame it's not streaming. And uh, yeah, it's a perfect segue into the the final album, mm-hmm. which we all know how I feel about this one. You ready? I'm ready. Hell yes, let's do it. This is the final album. This came out in 1996. This is Elron. <laughs> that twang it smells like this song and eugene vocals yes sounds just like eugene this song is one of their best songs because it does all three things there's the twang yep there's hard rock yep and there's noise yep just try not to cry it does sound like Eugene here. Which is funny because I think Eugene sounds like Beefheart and Chris Cornell had a child. That's one ugly child. That's a beautiful baby. <laughs> that slide guitar sounds so cool. Band. I think Invisible Cow would be. Or Invisible Cow. Oh, sorry. That might be a tough sell, but. uh, Dude, it fucking slaps, dude. Best. I mean, this album is so good. I I had a feeling, like, after hearing Peacekeeper, I already knew, like, Elrond's probably going to be the best one. Just just knowing that they're going back and going hard, Mm. this album goes fucking hard. Every song rules. and right after that that opener, we get Feed Me, which just, I mean, that bass sounds absolutely incredible. It comes in so fast. It uh, ton of kick, such a dirty and grimy song. Feels amazing. Uh, I feel like this is like their best production. It's like the most, uh, the most tight-knit, the most, uh, I guess I would call it gluey, where everything sounds so 
punchy and snappy. And yeah. Fuck, man. I uh, I didn't feel as strongly as you did. I felt like it was kind of just like in this middle ground. Um, but there are there are plenty of highlights. Um, what do I like? Uh, how are you? Pretty fucking good because that song. How are you? Is real good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, fucking fat and chunky with killer riffs and that and that bass just absolutely rolls. Uh, before that though, we got. So for one, this thing, I think this is the best paced record by far because mm-hmm. you get like the first three tracks, which are pound you into the dirt, fuck you up, really energetic, really kick ass. And then you get undone, perfect pacing to throw in a track four, slow things down, still aggressive, but much slower, very dark, beautifully written. Uh, the final section there, it just, it's God, like I fucking love it. Uh, and then Howard comes in, picks it back up. Um, let's slow. Uh, let's soak is more of that sleazy hard rock. But again, it's it's more bark market. It's more like mm-hmm. combining it with classic bark market or like that mid period. Um, whereas on that EP, it was just we're doing straight hard rock. Yeah. And then here are these bark market songs. Yeah. This is like now they're one. Now yeah. they're all one. Um, is it nice? That's like the noisiest, creepiest thing. Oh yeah. On here. It's really, uh, really repetitive, almost hypnotic in a really energetic and dirty, chaotic way. Yeah. Another like more like perplexing song where maybe if you have it on, on the background, it sounds normal, but I think falling is doing a lot of interesting things. Falling fucking rules. One of their best songs. Mm-hmm. I, that, I mean, the opening riff is insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, the distortion that they're using on that song is is so cool. I don't know what it is, but it, it, it's a, a very octave pedal sounding thing. It's, it's fucking great. Um, Fresh Kills. I love the way the drums sound on that song. Um, oh, yeah. Those Thomas. They sound so good. It's like a, a brutal like start stop song. They, yeah. Good stuff. Very heavy mid-paced. Uh, great, great busy Tom work on that on that one. And this is a weird comment to make. Remember when we covered Shiner? Because I, yeah. sh- I sure don't. You remember Shiner? Oh, I no, remember I Shiner. remember them. But. Shiner's a good band. I had an unpopular pick for best for that one, but mm-hmm. I still dig it. Uh, and the song Shiner is definitely more the same, but it, it feels good. It hits hard. It has a big anthemic chorus that works too. Uh, and then another great pacer song is Drain. I... Didn't like that at first, but it it grew on me. It's a good song. It's great. I think it's great. It's, it's a little bit more emotional, a little darker, uh, slower and more subdued. It's not without its anger, but uh, mm-hmm. it's got some fucking awesome ugly riffs on that one. Mm-hmm. Hell, I out of the entire discography, this is the album that, that had me saying hell yes out loud over and over again. <laughs> Just every kind, time a new song would come on. It kind of is a hell yeah album. It fucking kicks ass. I mean, Jesus. Yeah. Um, Vinnie Paul should have been in this band. Oh, I know. R.I.P. <laughs> uh, Lay Down is one of the few low point. I don't low, I'll call it a low point, but it's not even a bad song. It's just the least um, engaging, the least different. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also, I've said this before, perfectly placed in the album it's the second to last song therefore that's where that's where mike allows songs to fail that is that's where you put them if you don't if they're not as strong because especially if if the closer is strong then that's all you hear is the closer yeah um in between lay down and the closer blood uh bootless we have a little transition track called into the fear which is a it's another short lo-fi experimental transition thing it's very rhythmic it serves its purpose it's only 44 seconds it's cool um but bootless is man it's like 
all right, I'm going to go back to making weird lo-fi shit just for fun. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, it's like, it sounds like the early albums. It's, um, it's another Southern, it has like a little bit of Southerness to that one as well. Um, it's like a, it feels more like an homage to like the, the first couple albums to the, to the old them. Yeah. Yeah. It's a cool, it's a cool thing. Um, it's a, it's a fun little closer, but I mean, this album, it's like a nice mix of everything. It's, it's like intense. It's chunky and heavy. It's tight and energetic, mm-hmm. tons of attitude. His, his vocals are, he's still doing like the really uh, confident nineties guy thing, but it just feels better here. It's way more <laughs> aggressive and harsh. Um, and it, it, the pacing is the best, but like by far, uh, a lot of them, this one, along with a lot of other ones, they tend to get samey, but mm-hmm. it's just executed so well. And the, the writing is so inventive. It's just a beast of an album. Fucking love it. Nice. Yeah. Nice variety with our picks. Yeah. Really not a single overlap. <laughs> uh, but <clears throat> with uh, what, what Dave said about this album, when I was doing Bark Market, I promised myself that I started on a four track. There was a financial thing limitation. Second record was eight track. Third record was 16 track. I promised myself when I got to 24 track that I'd get back to four track to make myself have to deal with limitations. I kind of never really did that. But the first track on Elrond, Visible Cow, uh, was me going back to completely lo-fi material. I just kept it, so it was more about getting the sound quality I wanted. Uh, yeah, you definitely hear it on that first chunk. Uh, says, uh, but I didn't make records with four tracks after that. So yeah, that fun, the record was fun to make. And the funny part with Bark Market, I, this is what drives me crazy. He says, I have the next record written that I finished right after that. The whole album of songs just sitting in stack <laughs> and I've never put it out. The band broke up. So I understand that. Oh, I need to finish this. I haven't yet. There's some cool songs in that record. Ha ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how much of that was a typo or a bad translation, but it was written very weirdly. Yeah. He has a whole other Bark Market album that he's just sitting on. Just sitting on. Just, and it's never going to get put out <laughs> because he's too busy making millions of dollars with his job. Well, I guess if Gas War can come out, maybe... Uh, That's true. That is true. Maybe this weird Bark Market album can come out one day. I mean, it's been more than... 20 years. It's yeah. almost 30 years. Yep. It's been 27 years. Pour out the next album, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Ah, <laughs> uh, shit. But for for all those fans in that Yahoo group, <laughs> it, do it for them. Do because, it for them, and I, then us. Because, yeah. because it's basically the only people that I've ever heard of that talk about Park Market. Uh, but thank you so much for listening and watching and hanging out. Uh, let's do a little recap. One eight hundred Godhouse, personal favorite. Uh, Vegas throw worst least favorite gimmick their best and for me easy listening or the easy listening record or the easy listening CD personal favorite uh, that early lo-fi and weird style but with a bunch of industrial thrown in I love it uh, lard room the lard room EP uh, worst least favorite for all the reasons I gave and Elron best love it love it love it but yeah, that about does it. Thank you so much to Olo Fox for requesting this on Patreon and sticking with us and giving us your money. I uh, hope you enjoyed this. I quite enjoyed this band a lot. And if you want to do what Olo Fox did and support us, please go to Patreon, baby. Patreon.com slash every album ever. We got a bunch of bonus episodes on there. You could see our schedules in advance. You get to vote on polls to decide who we cover next. Uh, you could also join our discord and be a part of our community and suggest episodes for our EAE singles episodes. Any new album that, that's come out this year, you 
throw them on there and we'll pick them out and do an episode on it. And if you're tier two, if you're tier two, just like all of Fox, you can suggest an entire discography for us to cover on our bigger, longer episodes. And in addition to that, you can also suggest any album from any discography for us to cover on Patreon bonus episodes. So go there, do that. Thank you. You can follow me on all social media at Pander Monkey and Alex on Instagram. Every album, Alex. Hell yes. Please follow our history guy, Tom Osmond at Tom Osmond Sounds on all social media, as well as TomOsmondSounds.com for all his music. And uh, check out the Substack too. Well, there's a link to all that in the description. He does interviews with, he's basically started his own podcast interviewing musicians. Mm-hmm. So go check that out. It's very cool stuff. And uh, yeah, check out my debut EP. Came out not recently, but it's in there. Check it out. It's cool. Please listen to it for the love of God. And I think that about does it. That sounds about right. Right on. So is there anything that you would like to listen to? Um, I, I feel like you feel more strongly and, and you could veto this. I was going to suggest falling or fresh kills. I'm down with falling. Let's do it. Hell then, yeah. yeah. So thanks so much for listening and watching. See ya.